0: Welcome to the Best Player Wins Podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. We are your hosts. I am Nate Endries, hosting alongside Jordan, the General Walk, and he's the manager of Team Kenny Ross Mercedes. Welcome, Jordan, to the episode. Nate,
1: thank you so much for having me on. I'm looking forward to getting into this discussion. I think it's going to be a really good episode. I think the uh, listeners are in for a treat.
0: They're in for a real treat. I think we're, we're giving everybody some fan service by bringing the biggest rivalry in the league to uh, host together for this week's episode. And you may notice that Jake is not sitting in with us this week. That's because he had a couple things come up. So Jordan graciously agreed to fill in as a guest host this week. So uh, big thanks to Jordan for that. Let's jump right in and, and give you a chance to listen in on some of Jordan's hot takes this week. We're going to go ahead and kick off with the prior week recap so jordan i didn't totally have any upsets necessarily coming in from last week but did you have a biggest upset from week two
1: i didn't really have a biggest upset i mean i'm looking through the matchups here and nothing really surprised me i mean there were a couple matchups that i really could see going either way uh like you you and jake talked about last week but in terms of a biggest upset i didn't really have one um I will have. I do have a most shocking outcome, though. I was expecting um, either Brendan or Mike to put up a big week. I wasn't sure which one is going to be, and having one of them finish top six, and um, you know, I wasn't really sure who who I'd kick out of that of those that did finish in the top six. But surprised that neither one of those uh, ended up in the top.
0: Yeah, I uh, I did mention that I didn't have like a true upset, but I did pick. Uh, Mike and Brendan's matchup, Big Money Mike versus Cleveland White Males, is my biggest upset, quote-unquote, and for a few reasons. So, like, coming into Sunday Night Baseball, which is actually ongoing right now, things definitely looked really shaky with Kyle Hendricks getting lit up by the Braves in the first inning, like we talked about in the group yeah. chat. There's, you know, Kyle Hendricks gave Brendan a little scare, and while I technically had – Brendan as the winner coming out of this matchup over Mike in last week's episode. I still think that this is technically the biggest upset of the week. And I put upset in quotes, considering two things for me personally, one, we've talked about how strong of a squad Mike has and how pitching depth might be an area of concern for Brendan's team. Um, But two, I got, and this might be a humble brag, but I actually got the picks for all of the other matchups, right? And none of the others were particularly close. So that's kind of why I chose this one here. Interestingly enough, we saw a trade to kick off the week between Mike and Sam in which Max Freed was sent packing by Big Money Mike. But unfortunately for him, lineups locked literally one minute before the trade was accepted and Mike had to eat a terrible negative 16 point outing from Max Freed that likely would have made the difference in the matchup, assuming that a replacement starting pitcher would have given him positive points in place of that negative 16 bomb that Freed dropped on him. These are the kinds of exciting matchups that, that make baseball season great. I'm glad we saw a dramatic ending like this so early in the season. And it kind of made me think, Jordan, back to a couple of years ago when you and I were having a big rivalry week matchup and you actually had the lead on me going into Sunday night baseball. I had no players left and you had one player left. Do you remember who it was?
1: I do remember who it was. And it's one of those stories that makes fantasy sports great because here we are talking like, This is the two or three years ago, maybe. Giancarlo Stanton, I believe I was up three points going into Sunday night baseball. And if I remember correctly, none of us had any other players going. It was just Giancarlo Stanton. That's correct. Gives me the golden sombrero, four strikeouts, minus four points. Nate the win.
0: And what? What better uh, pairing of a matchup for that to happen than Jordan versus Nate, the, the trash talk rivalry. So that was a beautiful, dramatic ending. Uh, wasn't quite as razor thin in this matchup between Brendan and Mike, but definitely can add it to the book of dramatic endings over the last few years. So most shocking outcome for me. It was another one where like nothing really shocked me this week, but I did pick the matchup between Courtney and Sam team C Demer versus TP Prez. Uh, So again, I originally picked Courtney to win this matchup and she did come out on top. I picked her because her team pretty much looked overmatching compared to most in the league after a red hot start to her season coming out of week one. And while he wasn't able to pull away a head to head win, Sam's team showed that it can give any team trouble on any given Sunday by picking up a win for the top six scorers in the league. And while his pitching didn't light the world on fire, the offense definitely showed it is one of the best in the league by putting up a league high 130 points this week. And the scary part to me is that I think that his offense is actually only going to get better with Trey Turner entering the fold. I know Sam gave up Rafael Devers to get him, but Trey Turner is still very obviously a better hitter than Rafael Devers, which is why he goes in the first two rounds every single year. Um, I think the key for Sam is going to be to find some consistency in his bullpen. I actually just saw right before we started recording that he dropped Daniel Bard, who scored, I think, negative 10 points for him over this matchup period. If he is able to find that consistency with his relief pitching, I think his team can definitely take the next step into being among the elite rosters in the league. So. We will see how he manages his way into doing that. Let's uh, shortly give a top three standings update for each division. For the East division, we have JC off to a perfect 4-0 start. Uh, Much to my liking as somebody who predicted him to be number one in the standings through the first nine weeks. Number two, Jake also off to a perfect start of 4-0. Jake's fantasy baseball team And again, at the same spot that I predicted that the East division will be sitting at through nine weeks. And I went three for three because sitting in the third spot is you, Jordan, Kenny Ross Mercedes. You're at two and two and you, uh, you've taken two head to head losses, but you've actually finished in the top half scoring in the league both weeks so far. Uh, there's only really one word to describe that. What would that be, Jordan?
1: It's unlucky. And I think that it's very interesting. Uh, you know, the unlucky part of fantasy sports comes for everyone eventually, but you know, the, the, uh, the rule that we decided to keep in with having the, uh, the league median in there, uh, I was avidly against that because I'm like, I love the luck in fantasy sports. Like, so unpredictable. And here I am like being 500 because of the league median. So
0: have you changed your opinion on it at all?
1: I mean, of course, I'm gonna. T- it gave me two wins when I shouldn't have gotten yeah. wins. So.
0: And you're in third place in the division. You're currently, I guess. I mean, we're doing. We expanded to eight teams for the playoffs this year, so we would have two more teams beyond this top six that I'm gonna update you with. But you'd be sitting pretty for the playoffs right now as the third team in the East Division. Let's move on to the West Division. We have another perfect team to start the season. Courtney is in first place. Team C Deemer with a record of four and zero. Sam, right behind her, who she topped this week, TP Prez, he is 3-1 and one after going 2-0 last week, and like we mentioned, finishing in the top half of scores this week. So he was able to pick up at least one win this week to maintain that second place in the division. And then in third place, he continues to prove me wrong, Brendan, Cleveland White Males. He has a record of 3-1 and one after this week. Um, I think maybe a favorable matchup is kind of propping up his position in the standings. I know he went 2-0 last week. So that was definitely a statement that he is one of the competitive teams this year. But his loss this week was actually because he failed to score in the top half of the league. So maybe the pendulum swinging a little bit back toward my expectation of him being among the weaker teams. But he still remains in the top three in the West Division with a three and one record. Jordan, I I think uh, I can expect some backlash here in the for this next segment. We're gonna talk about. Uh, A multitude of things, but first we're going to start talking about some of the trades that have been executed in our league so far through the first two weeks of the season. We're going to go through every single one. I'm going to ask you for your gut reaction when the trade happened. Also, how the trade has aged in the time since it's been executed. I know it's only been a week or a week and a half or maybe two weeks for some of these, but if there is some context to how the trade has changed based on the way that it's aged since it's happened... Um, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that as well. And, of course, I'll give mine, my opinion on each of these deals as well. So the first trade of the season was half of which involved one of our new players, uh, Nick. The other half involved me. The deal was Nick gave up Luis Castillo and Marcelo Zuna. And in return, I gave up Pablo Lopez, Mike Clevenger, and Chris Sale, jordan i'll toss it to you since this was my deal what is what was your initial reaction to this trade and has anything changed with how the trade has aged since the two weeks that it was originally accepted
1: yeah i mean there was a lot of panic when this first got off like clevenger and sale going over to nick both guys that are going to be on on the uh il for a majority of the season uh for a guy like Luis Castillo and Marcelo Zuna, that seemed like a very cheap price, and everyone was like, oh, Nate got this great steal of a deal. But you guys talked about it a little bit last week. like Nick is overwhelmingly stocking up on these high upside pitchers. Um, I'm not sure when uh, Chris Sale's coming back. Is that later in the year?
0: He, people don't know exactly when he's going to come back yet. I think the safe estimation is probably July, Okay. Um, people kind of given him a timeline of anywhere between June and August. So,
1: yeah, I mean, that's a guy I think, Nick, um, the way he's making his team right now, he's just I think he can easily float along and I'll touch upon it later when we get to some of the other trades that he made. But I think that he's really flying under the radar with what he's doing. He's given the illusion that he's wants to get all these good keepers. But I really think that in the grand scheme of things, he could end up being a buyer at the deadline.
0: Yeah, he could. I mean, he's he's definitely stockpiling talent. We're going to touch on it very shortly, but he obviously swung another big trade just a couple of days ago with getting Cody Bellinger. I know Mike Clevenger is out with Tommy John surgery recovery for the entire season this year, so he definitely will not get help from Clevenger. But uh, I don't think, to give you a little bit of my my feedback on the deal, I definitely don't think Pablo Lopez is a scrub. I actually, this Dynasty League that I started up, that a few of you um, kind of saw the, the narrative over early in the season. I took Pablo Lopez in that league over Sandy Alcantara, who I think Sandy Alcantara is taking the next step this season and is kind of elevating him up to that starting pitcher two conversation. I think Pablo Lopez could just as easily be in the same conversation. I think so far this season, it's looking like Alcantara will be the better pitcher but I don't have a totally different opinion of Pablo Lopez as somebody who took him ahead of Sandy Alcantara only a month ago in a different draft. Um, So I think he got a good pitcher there. You've already touched on Chris sale being a really high upside pitcher. He, you know, his upside is top five in the game. You likely won't realize that even once he comes back this season, because he's probably going to be limited to short starts Um, maybe on a per inning basis. He could be really, really good vintage Chris sale but I can't imagine that he's going to be allowed to go like seven innings in any single game this season in his first year back from Tommy John surgery. And even since then talking about my side of the deal where I got Castillo and Ozuna, those guys have not lit the world on fire, you know, since the start of the season. Like, I think they're both still really good players. I think, this time next year, or I should say during draft season next year, you're still going to see these guys in a redraft format be given like top three round or top four round draft grades. That's I think where you're going to see them be drafted. So I still think that they're really good players or potentially even elite players, but certainly they are susceptible to struggling for periods of time. So there are definitely stretches this year where I will not be surprised if I don't get much use at all out of either Luis Castillo Marcelo Ozuna, or even both, which has kind of been the case so far this year is I've got Luis Castillo has made one good start. Marcelo Zuna has kind of been miserable to start the year. So haven't seen a ton of return on investment yet, but I think that obviously there's plenty of time for those guys to turn it around. So I think it was a, an okay deal. Um, definitely susceptible to judgment as any buyer seller trade will be in our league. The second one, this was between two uh, buyers or what we will assume are buyers. This was between Jake and Mike. Jake gave up Shohei Otani, Jose Altuve, and Tommy Lastella. Mike gave up in return Cattell Marte and Marcus Stroman. Jordan, what was your initial reaction to this deal?
1: I I like this deal for Jake. Um, I've never been a huge Shohei Otani fan in terms of fantasy, mainly because I I get uh, stressed about oh, should I put him in the, in the uh, starting starting pitcher spot or should I have him rostered as a hitter? Um, so I never really ended up being high on him. I think that, you know, Jose Altuve is Jose Altuve. He's going to be elite uh, year in and year out. Uh, Tommy Edestel, I'm not a huge fan of. Um, I know that I feel like he's on a, a team every year and is a good good depth guy, but um, Mike giving up Catal Marte and Mar- Marcus Stroman, um, I think those are two elite players, I think. Strowman's consistently underrated. I like to steal a lot for Jake.
0: Yeah, I also, I think, would lean on Jake's side. It's notable that since the trade was accepted, Cattell Marte obviously yes, went down with a hamstring yeah. injury, so it's seeming to, and, and Otani has basically shown that he is elite no matter where he is played on yeah. the field. So if they're committing him to be a hitter, he's going to be a very good fantasy hitter. If, he, if they would commit him to be a pitcher, he would be a very good I fantasy agree. pitcher. Uh, like you mentioned, it, it can be a headache to decide where you want to put him into the lineup. I personally think that he should be used as a hitter in fantasy if you have to make the choice. And I don't really think it's particularly close. I just think there's the, the consistency with which the Angels put him on the mound is so fragile like if he is dealing with any kind of injury or any kind of shaky situation where he's not feeling good that week, they're not going to put him on the mound to pitch. However, Joe Madden has shown us that they will put him out there to hit every single day, even if he's working through an injury that won't let him get to the mound to pitch. So I think if I were in Mike's shoes, I would start Otani in my utility slot every single week and not even have to really worry about, you know, Should I start Otani this week in my pitcher slot? What happens if something happens to him in one of the games where he's hitting and they decide to cancel the start? I think that's too much of a headache to deal with. I think you just put him in your utility slot and you kind of roll with it every single week if you're Mike. Jose Altuve, I know he was just put on the COVID IL. I think that'll be a short-lived stint. And Marcus Stroman, you mentioned that he is perennially underrated. I probably agree with that. But at the same time, I think I'm one of those people that underrates Strowman because I've never really believed in him as really a difference-making pitcher. I think he gives you consistent average to above-average production, but I don't ever really think that he is going to be a true difference-maker at starting pitcher. So I think maybe this is going to be a back-end rotation guy for Jake. So definitely useful. I prefer in the long-term Jake's end of the deal, but I think I've since changed my opinion from this is a deal that really favors jake to i think only slightly favors him in the long term so fine deal as far as i'm concerned this next deal i was uh i was trolling in the chat because i thought jake got a way better end of the deal it was a trade with brendan where jake gave up freddie peralta steven matz and jordan romano and brendan gave up austin meadows Eduardo Rodriguez, and Jake Diekman. Jordan, did you share my feeling on this deal when it first went through?
1: Uh, When I first went through, I thought it was a huge win for Jake. I mean, Jake's getting the big name in Austin Meadows, um, clearly the headliner of this trade. But once I started getting into it, I'm actually, I'm going to say that Brendan won this deal because, and let me get into it. I mean, when this first happened, this is whenever um, Trevor Rosenthal went down for the A's, the closer spot was up for grabs. Um, I don't remember the exact timeline, but then you see Jake Deakman go over to Jake's team and everyone, you know, the A's are going to be competitive this year. There's going to be a lot of saver opportunities and they're pretty consistent with using the closer role. And then you see Jake Deakman not get it. And I believe it's Lou Trevino now. Right. And I, if the last time I looked, I'm pretty sure Jake Deakman was on waivers. Is, am I correct on that?
0: Yes. Jake cut Jake Deakman.
1: Yes. So that's already one person in the deal gone. And then I'm also just not a fan of Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, I think, especially with Jake's um, starting pitching depth, I think that he's just going to be a bench guy, and he's going to hop in there occasionally if he has two starts favorably uh, with the matchups. I mean, Austin Meadows, uh, elite, elite left fielder. Um, so that's really the main piece that Jake gets. But, I mean, I really think that Brennan got three really good pitchers here. Um, you know, F- Freddie Peralta has this starting pitcher relief pitcher eligibility. Um, he struggled against the pirates, but before that, he'd been really, really well, really solid. Although two of those starts were against the Cubs. Um, Steven Matz, who we're going to talk about later in this episode has been lights out this year so far. Um, and then Jordan Romano, who I-, I believe is on the IL right now, uh, should be a short stint, but, um, I'm, I'm think that that Blue Jays closer role is his and with the Blue Jays being really good this year I think that he's going to get a lot of opportunities so that's why I'm saying that Brendan won this deal
0: yeah I've actually done a 180 on this deal myself I I think I characterized it as Jake ended up getting Austin Meadows who nothing needs to be said there we know that Austin Meadows is a great player Eduardo Rodriguez I kind of group in a similar Fashion with a pitcher like Marcus Stroman, where he's not going to light the world on fire. He's not going to be a difference maker at starting pitcher. But I think that he is perennially underrated. He will give you a safe amount of production at starting pitcher. Um, So again, could be a back end guy for Jake to kind of stream based on matchups for his rotation And just like you said, this was very fresh after it came out that Trevor Rosenthal was going to get surgery to be out for multiple months. And it seemed like Jake Diekman would be the next guy up as their closer. So it seemed like Jake got, you know, a decent back end starting pitcher, a stud hitter in Meadows and the presumable new closer for the Oakland Athletics. And for what I characterize as a return for a wafer wire hot hand in Steven Matz, who Jake literally added that day, like five hours before or something like that. Jordan Romano, who at that point was a middle reliever for the Blue Jays because Julian Merriweather was the clear closer at that point. And Freddie Peralta, who f- his first appearance of the season was in long relief, so he didn't even have a rotation spot um, judging based on his first appearance of the season. So I said... Jake gets a stud hitter, a back-end starting pitcher, and a closer for a long reliever, a waiver-wire hot hand, and a middle reliever. Like, what is that? Well, since then, Freddie Peralta has, you know, earned a spot in the Brewers rotation, and he's been really good in each start that he's made since getting a rotation spot. Even versus the Pirates, he didn't have a bad start. It just wasn't like a light-the-world-on-fire start like he had against the Cubs. Steven Matz, like you said, has been amazing he's been a top pitcher in the league this year not just coming off the waiver wire uh, but all around and then Jordan Romano he I, I think more of a it's a product of circumstance that he gained his value now because Julian Merriweather is out with an oblique strain which is probably going to keep him out for multiple months um, so now the role is basically just going to be Jordan Romano's by default because they don't really have a better reliever in that bullpen so once he gets back it'll be a closer for Brendan. So I think, yeah, this trade it's aged in a way that I think I would rather have Brendan side, given the scarcity of pitching in our league. Um, So I kudos to Brendan for getting another on brand deal where it looks bad at first, but somehow, some way Brendan is able to pull it out and and kind of be the winner of the trade. Um, The next deal. First one that you made of the season, Jordan, with Big Money Mike, no surprise there. You gave up Dominic Smith and Gene Segura. And in return, you got Anthony Santander and Marco Gonzalez. Tell me what you thought of the trade.
1: Um, I think it's pretty even, honestly. It doesn't really uh, like push one way heavily, in my opinion. And even, uh, I think that was like a week, week and a half ago that we, we got that trade done. And even today, I still, um, I think it met the needs that we needed. Like uh, I needed another um, quality starting pitcher. And so I went after Marco Gonzalez and although he's started off the year, not that well, I still think that he has a lot of capabilities and Mike was really high on Dominic Smith. Um, so we were just kind of had a pretty good conversation, got the deal done. And like I said, it was both things that we needed. So,
0: yeah. And I thought the same thing. I thought that this was a, a need for a need trade and we've talked a lot about underrated starting pitchers so far. Marco Gonzalez is a guy that I toot the horn for that. I do think he's underrated and I actually like him uh, given how much he costs every year. I think what he will give you should probably cost more than what you actually have to pay for him in practice. So I think that was a good under the radar target for you. Um, I do like Dom Smith as well. So I think that he got a good player in return. Uh, Mike did. And I don't totally know how I feel about Anthony Santander yet. He obviously had a really great 2020. He's struggled to start 2021. I think overall, he's probably an above average player, um, but time will tell there. And then Gene Segura, he is what he is at this point. He's a veteran, um, but I think Mike probably liked the fact that he had second base eligibility to kind of plug and play there as needed. So not an earth shattering move there. The next one uh, for Mike's third trade, he gave me Trent Grisham, and I gave him in return Clint Fraser and Nick Anderson. Mike just getting off to to cutting down on that total eight trade Good limit, money not Mike. giving him not giving himself any room to operate uh, as we get closer to the deadline. I'm sure he's going to make and it probably reach that eight trade limit before we get there. What did you think of this trade between the two of us, Jordan?
1: Yeah, I mean, when, when I got the notification bell, I thought it was pretty even. Um, nothing really stuck out to me. But I think looking back on it now, with uh, I think Nick Anderson went on the 60-day, um, which is going to obviously hurt hurt Mike a lot the long term. So that's why I gave the advantage to you, but um wasn't a huge impact trade in my opinion.
0: Yeah, he actually was the one that made this offer to me. And I accepted pretty instantly because I thought like, Yeah, that's a fair deal, and I need a center fielder. It was pretty much as simple as that for me. Yeah. I will note, Nick Anderson was already on the 60-day IL. Oh, he was, Yeah, when I drafted him, he was actually already on the 60-day IL. So I think maybe Mike listened to our first couple episodes where Jake and I both voiced our liking to Clint Frazier, and he – maybe bought in in that way because Jake and I both liked him as well. And I, and I do like Clint Frazier. I think his long-term outlook, I still have the same expectation that he's going to turn into an above average starting outfielder for the Yankees, but he has been terrible to start this season. He's actually on the waiver wire right now. He's so bad. So Mike turned around and we'll cover it in the next few trades, but he turned around and traded Clint Frazier to Sam as part of that max free deal that we already Briefly talked about earlier this episode, and Sam uh, quickly cut bait. He cut Clint Frazier really fast.
1: Yeah, I've never, I've never been a big Clint Fra- Clint Fraser fan. I mean, I feel like for years now there's been a ton of hype over him. Like, oh yeah, this big up and coming center fielder uh, outfielder is coming up for the Yankees, but I just haven't really seen it for him. I've never been a big fan, so.
0: Yeah, I think the issue that everybody talked about for years was that he just needs the playing time, right? Yeah. now he's finally getting an everyday role, and they're already platooning him with Brett Gardner because he's struggling so bad at the plate. So definitely not what you want to see for Clint Frazier. I have him in the Dynasty League. I'm not happy about him platooning with old head Brett Gardner, but again, I think he'll still be a fine player in the long term. 2021 just might not be the year for it. Let's talk about the trade of infamy. I'm assuming that's how everybody looks at it, you know, across the league. Uh, My trade with Andrew Baum, where I gave up Andrew Vaughn. That's kind of ironic. Andrew Baum and Andrew Vaughn. I gave up Andrew Vaughn, Luis Severino, Julio Rodriguez, Wilson Contreras, and Omar Narvaez. And Baum gave up Shane Bieber, Mookie Betts, and JT Realmuto. Jordan, lay it on me. What did you think of this deal? Then, what has your opinion changed at all? I uh,
1: I really don't even know where to begin. I mean, um, yeah, Andrew's getting Vaughn Severino. Like, he's getting a bunch of players back. But I mean, Shane Bieber probably. I I I would say at least top five keeper next year. Um, Mookie Betts, um, like. First round pick, MVP candidate, and JT Realmuto probably one of the best catchers in the league. Um, I don't know what he was thinking. Um, I realistically think that Mookie Betts probably by himself could have gotten Andrew Vaughn and Julio Rodriguez. Um, I I really don't know. Like, how did that conversation start?
0: Like, so it started by me asking him what are you looking to do this year because I knew we all knew that he missed the draft and auto pick built his entire team for him right and Jake and I don't know if Bomb listens to this podcast but Jake and I have talked about his team over the first couple weeks um in the sense that we think it would be very hard for him to be a competitive team this year given how bad of a position auto pick put yeah. him in. Right. I mean, Autopick did him very dirty. Very dirty. And so I, I kind of noted, like, hey, I know you didn't get to draft your team, but what are you looking to do this year? Because I didn't want to assume that he was just going to sell because he didn't get to draft his team. He said, yeah, I'm probably going to end up having to be a seller at the, at the deadline. Um, and rebuilding doesn't sound like a bad idea to me because I mentioned to him, like, I think when I was asking him if he planned to be a seller or what he planned to do this year, I said, you know, we've seen in the past and we're even seeing right now with Nick's team that there are teams that have decided to rebuild from the very beginning of the season and kind of gather keepers. Jerwin did it last year. Nick's doing it this year. I did it not necessarily at the beginning of the season, but two years ago in 2019, I had to make an early decision that I'm getting unlucky
1: Yeah. (laughs) I'm getting
0: unlucky. So I had to trade away all my stars and and just pound going for keepers. So I noted to Andrew, I was like, people have done this before in the past. And uh, it worked for me. We'll see how it works for Jerwin this year. We'll see how it works for Nick going into next year. But I just basically said, like, we have seen this strategy before. It's a viable strategy. If you do it right. What do you think? And he goes, rebuilding doesn't sound like a bad idea to me. And that's all I needed to hear. And so I said, I basically said, hey, I'll give you my entire keeper pipeline that I've built up over the last two years if you're willing to let go of some of your stars. And it basically just happened to unfold that he was willing to give me Bieber, Betts, and Real Mudo for basically all the keepers that I have except uh, Jared next he, he never really asked about him, so I didn't even bring him up. But that's kind of how that conversation unfolded.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not... I'm not mad about the Mookie Betts or JT Realmuto part because, um, like Mookie Betts being a first-round pick, and I want to say Real Realmuto was like he was a second second rounder. or third second. No, he's round not going to
0: be. Ca- I'm not going to keep so him like, like, in the first round. I'm
1: all on board. Like those people are not going to be kept. Sell them. Get the farm. But I think the addition of Cy Young winner Shane Bieber. Um, who I think is going to be like a, a fourth round, fifth round pick next year, something like that. Be a fourth. Um, like that's to me, what really threw me over the edge. Like he, I think that he should have been untouchable. Like that's one of those guys where if you start getting harassed with a bunch of text messages, Hey, what's the cost of Shane Bieber? You throw something so insane out the window that they know to never text you about Shane Bieber again. And that's what surprised me about this deal.
0: Yeah, and that's totally a fair opinion to have. Uh, You mentioned it in the chat. You said, I can't get mad at Nate. He's just doing his job. I think that the deal very clearly favors me this year, and we won't truly know how even it turns out to be until probably two years from now, but I can totally understand why everyone else would see this and be a little deflated.
1: Well, I think that's also what happens every time. Um, like there's a, a big buy and a big sell. I mean, yes, we don't know what's going to happen with, An- with Andrew's team a couple years down the line, but that's also assuming that he keeps a guy like Andrew Vaughn or Severino or Julio Rodriguez um, because, or who he can get for them too, because you also have to look at like the, uh, the Trading Tree, basically seeing, okay, a couple of years down the line, well, what's he going to get for Andrew Vaughn if he decides to trade him? So, I agree with I agree with that that um, a couple of years down the line, that bomb this that we could look back on this deal and say, yeah, uh, Andrew Vaughn gave Andrew Bomb a championship or something along those lines. But um, you know, looking at just this year and probably next year, because I'm assuming that you'll keep Shane Bieber, it's really really like it's like 99 to 1 maybe 100 to 0 about in my opinion on who won this trade
0: yeah i i can agree with your assessment given our two team situations i think that this deal very clearly fits into favoring my team situation than it does into andrew's situation pretty much wholly in part due to the unknown variables of the return that that Andrew got on his side. Like you said, we could look back on this trade with a different mindset, but that definitely won't be until probably two years from now if it does happen. Yeah. So the next trade is the first of two team swap deals that we see as a signature every single year from Big Money Mike. Uh, he and Nick made a giant trade where Mike gave up hometown hero, or I shouldn't say hometown hero, hometown budding star Cabrian Hayes, Michael Conforto, Tarek Skubal, your boy Gene Segura that, he, that you sent over to him, and Zach Davies. And in return, he got Bryce Harper, Julio Urias, Tommy Edmond, and Julian Merriweather. Uh, Jordan, what was your opinion of this trade when it went down?
1: um yeah i i really think that this trade's pretty even i think that it helps both teams a lot and i still think that today i mean um i still think the Knicks team is flying under the radar with the number of prospects that he's getting and high upside players Um, and if he like i said before if he's floating around come deadline day i he has so many pitching prospects which are so so valuable in this league and high upside keepers I could see him getting a big name or two and really going a run. He if if I match up with him in the playoffs, I'd be afraid. If if we both get in at this point, yeah. Um, Where as Mike's side, I also love this deal for him. I mean, getting a couple really good bats, getting Julio Urias. Yes, um, wait to use Merryweather for a little bit, but um, I do think I love this for him too. I mean, I think that both both uh, sides got really good good deals.
0: Yeah, and uh, Mike asked me what my, so he made kind of two big trades back to back and we'll dive into the other one right after this, but he asked me what I thought of the two deals. And I told him that the, that his offense as a result of the two deals looks really good, but I think that his offense was already really good. So I'm not necessarily sure that that was, that should have been an area of focus for him to be honest with you. I thought that the return for what Mike gave up was pretty light if you consider that I think Cabrian Hayes and Tarek Scubel were getting a lot of hype coming into this yeah. season, I think the hype has died down just a little bit for Scubel because he hasn't really been that great on the mound. Hayes definitely has not died down on because we're all Pirates fans. He was awesome to start the season and he just had like a ten-day wrist injury, so we haven't necessarily seen a dip in production from him. He just hasn't been on the field. So I yeah, think-
1: when is he coming back from
0: that? I don't. I can't remember. They were saying yesterday that they wouldn't, they weren't ruling him out for today's game. Given that he didn't actually end up coming back for today's game, I would imagine either tomorrow or Tuesday. I don't so sometime
1: know if, like it's not going to be like a long, t- longer.
0: Right season, okay. in the next couple of days, uh, Cabrian Hayes should be back. If we're just talking about those two guys, I think maybe they would fetch a Bryce Harper, like Bryce Harper for Cabrian Hayes and Tarek Skubel. And I might even prefer the Cabrian Hayes side because I think the kid is going to be a star.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's going to be what, like a, like a 19th, 18th round pick or something like that. Um, So I I do agree with that.
0: Um, And that's, that's not even all, that's not the whole reason why I thought that the return was light. If you consider the fact that Michael Conforto was Mike's third round pick. Yeah. And Bryce Harper was Nick's second round pick. Then in theory, Mike should only have to add a little seasoning to Michael Conforto to jump up one round and get a hitter that went there and Bryce Harper. But instead he gave up two guys that were perceived by pretty much all of us in the league to have really great keeper potential in Cabrian Hayes and Tarek Skubal. And don't get me wrong. He got back Julio Urias, who I think is a pretty good pitcher. Tommy Edmond has been playing well this year and Julia Merriweather was the closer at the time. He was healthy. So he didn't get nothing back alongside Bryce Harper, but it just wasn't enough for me to give up two big-time keepers, or at least guys that have big-time keeper potential, plus a third-round pick to get Bryce Harper and some of the other guys that he did get back. Um, I think that the offense is still in great shape. I don't think that Mike blew a hole in his team to do this. I just think, again, he could have maybe gotten a little bit more return. So... I will say, you know, I say that he gave up Michael Conforto, who was a third-round pick. At least he got something for his third-round pick because we saw Jerwin cut bait with his third-round pick, Brandon Lau, like a week and a half into the season. Totally didn't understand that. Um, Even if he does stink, I don't really know why you would just not even explore what you could get for him in a trade because I do think that even if a player stinks – there is the factor of perceived value. And if you say, Hey, I took this guy in the third round, even if he stinks, somebody's ears are going to perk up because that guy was taken with the first 36 picks of the draft. So I don't, I know that I we're not that. talking about his move right now. And this is a trade talk segment, but I just didn't understand that.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, <laughs> I am, um, especially this early into the season, I mean, I, I can see if it's mid June and he's still not producing really anything. But, um, you know, we're what, like barely three weeks into the season, like mm. people come and slump out of the gate. Uh, so that's why I don't I don't try to make a lot of roster moves um, to start. I try to let the, the dust settle a little bit.
0: And I I know we're getting a little bit off topic yeah. here, but I probably should have let the dust settle a little bit before making any. Crazy moves because Trevor Rogers looks like he's going to come back and make me pay for dropping him. He's looked awesome to start the year, and Nick was able to scoop him up on waivers after I cut him.
1: The the waiver wire the first three weeks of the season is a beautiful place.
0: Yeah, um, lots of upside you, to be had. There's a
1: ton of upside that just went squeaking right through the cracks of the draft um, and provides – like I feel like a lot of championships are won on the waiver wire.
0: I would agree. A good draft is only the foundation. I agree. You have to you management is what defines a champion from those that can't get over the hump, which I haven't yet. So
1: neither have uh, I. So.
0: <laughs> let's talk about the next trade. This uh part two of Mike's signature team swap deals. This time he gave up to Sam, Trey Turner, Max Freed, and Clint Frazier. For Rafael Devers, dd Gregorius, Yuli Gurriel, Justice Sheffield, and Drew Waters, he just filled in all the spots that he yep. uh, gave up in his trade with Nick. What do you think of this deal?
1: Yeah, um I I really like Sam's side of it. I mean, getting Trey Turner um, is always a huge plus. I think that Max Fried has started off the season slow, but I mean, I still think that he's one of the best pitchers in the league. Um, we talked about Clint Fraser. You said that he is on waivers now, but whenever you're getting those two players, it's a, a, a good deal. Normally. I mean, I know that Sam gave out, gave up a uh, hot bat endeavors, but the rest of the players didn't really make uh, huge marks for me. So that's why I'm taking Sam on this side of the deal.
0: Yeah. I, Totally agree with everything that you said. I think the, the, three, the three key players in this trade were Trey Turner, Max Freed, and Rafael Devers. I think everything else in the deal was just kind of fluff, and Sam got back two of those three key players, so I prefer his side, um, especially given that when we're talking about three key players, the unquestionably best player of those three is Trey Turner, and that was part of Sam's return, so... Uh, I understand for both of their from both of their angles. Sam has Manny Machado already at third base, so he could afford to trade away Rafael Devers. Mike has Fernando Tatis Jr., so he could afford to trade away uh, Trey Turner. Um, so they were kind of, I guess, exchanging needs to an extent. But again, I prefer Sam's side there. All that being said, I know Mike made two really big trades here, and I said that I prefer the other side for both. His offense still really looks good. And those were, like, the meat of these two deals for Mike was kind of changing around the offense. So even though I picked the other side for both of these, again, I don't think that he, like, blew a hole in his team by making these two big trades. So, Yeah, I agree with that. This next deal, uh, biggest one of the season so far. Brendan gave up Yohan Moncada, JC gave up Trevor Williams. What do you think of this deal, Jordan?
1: I mean, eh, it didn't really... I mean, I'm not a huge Trevor Williams guy. We talk all the time about former Pirates leaving the city and just completely going off. I mean, I don't see that with Trevor Williams. I think he had like one, his first start was really good. Um, I just don't really see it from him. I mean, I'm not the biggest Mankata fan either, but I, I would take Mankata over Trevor, Trevor Williams.
0: Yeah, I don't like either of these players. Myself, I think Trevor Williams is probably a drop. Uh, I would also rather have Moncada in a vacuum because his ceiling is much higher. But even saying that, I don't want Moncada on my team. I would almost rather have an open roster spot, which I would get in exchange for cutting Trevor Williams, <laughs> and the freedom to pick up whatever hot, hot hand off the waiver wire I wanted to than getting back a strikeout machine, which is what Yoan Moncada is. So it's an even trade, don't get me wrong, but yeah. I don't want either player. So it, I can't even say that there's a winner to this deal.
1: Yeah, it really doesn't, in the grand scheme of things, make any effect, in my opinion.
0: It doesn't make any effect, and I know that neither of these guys are ever candidates to hit their the the limit of trades like with they're probably yeah definitely not jc he is not going to get to eight trades before our deadline never will probably i don't think that brendan will either so like this is probably mostly an inconsequential deal but say like a guy like me or mike or nick or yeah. some of the people that actively trade and are always looking to to deal if they can improve their team it's a five dollar mistake that's a five dollar mistake because you're limiting your ability to make one more trade before the trade deadline so these guys again probably totally inconsequential but i would consider this a waste of a move if it's anybody that thinks that they would get close to that trade limit our last trade and we just saw this i want to say it was yesterday go through maybe the day before was a pretty big deal between nick and eddie nick gave up michael conforto who we were just talking about eric Hosmer, and luke weaver Eddie gave up Cody Bellinger and Josh Bell, and I'll actually lead off with my opinion on this one. I know I mentioned that Michael Conforto was a third-round pick. I still don't think that he is in the same stratosphere as Bellinger when both are healthy. That being said, Bellinger I know is out indefinitely because he had a calf contusion, or at least what they thought was a calf contusion at first. An MRI revealed that it was actually a hairline fracture in his leg. So I'm, I have no idea how long he'll be out. I don't know how long it, it takes to recover from something like that. And I know that speed is a part of the fantasy value that Cody Bellinger brings to the table. So I don't know if it'll kind of linger and, and hamper the production that he'll give once he does come back. But I still think that the name value of Cody Bellinger is something that Nick will be able to use to his advantage either A, when he comes back and seeing that vintage Cody Bellinger production or B, I still think that people are going to be willing to pay a lot to get Bellinger from Nick around the trade deadline. Um, so I think, and, and Eddie kind of admitted this to me when he asked me for my opinion on the trade, that it was kind of a panic move by him because we've been talking about how he doesn't have good pitching or good pitching depth. Um, I don't like Sam, either Sam or Jake sent the gif of putting a bandaid over a giant crack in a wall I think that's exactly what Luke Weaver is. I told Eddie, like, I think Luke Weaver is just a waiver wire hot hand that strung together two good starts, and I would totally not expect him to sustain any kind of success moving forward. I just don't think Luke Weaver is really that good of a pitcher. Um, And then getting to the first baseman that were included in the deal, I basically think that Josh Bell and Eric Cosmer are a complete wash. I think you could pick either or. Both will give you probably around the same production. What were your thoughts on this trade?
1: Yeah, I mean, you basically summarized it exactly what I was thinking. Um, Whenever you can get Cody Bellinger on your team, that is always a huge positive. Uh, If Eddie wanted to take that route of um, you know, listening to the podcast and hearing about his pitching staff, I mean, we've talked about it a lot, about how much depth, um, high-ceiling depth Nick has on his team in terms of of his pitching staff. And um, I think I would have gone a different route if I'm shopping. Cody Bellinger to Nick's team trying to get some of the pitchers that he has um but yeah I'm giving this one to Nick
0: yeah and I think to to be fair to Eddie I think he knows that um and I don't think that he had the wrong idea to get a high upside replacement outfielder in Conforto plus a starting pitcher that was seeming to have a good start to the season I just think maybe this was a case, and I don't mean this as any uh, slight to Eddie, but I think maybe it was just a case of, like, inexperience and learning the game of baseball to know, like, hey, even though Luke Weaver is having a good start to the season, he is not a guy that has staying power. Um, Yeah, I agree with that. So, I, you know, it's just some of the things that you learn along the way as you learn the game, and there's nothing wrong with that because I – stunk at fantasy baseball the first year that i ever played and i'm not saying that eddie stinks but i'm just saying like the the learning progression that you go through as you learn the game and and especially learn how to apply it in a fantasy context is so steep that a year from now both nick and eddie are going to be exponentially better at playing fantasy baseball than they are today. And I, again, I don't mean that as any slight to either one of them. Oh, yeah, I just think that these are the kind of moves that you see as somebody like them are learning the game of fantasy baseball.
1: I do think also with the fact that Cody Bellinger is out um, for an indefinite timeline, like we could look back on this trade in two or three months and say that um, Eddie's the clear winner of this. Cause if, if Cody Bellinger can't get healthy,
0: yeah, that's that's a really good point. Uh the indefinite thing could have also um influenced Eddie's decision to trade him here. And it could, like you said, prove to be the right decision if Cody Bellinger ends up somehow missing like two and a half or three months. That would be that would like I know Cody Bellinger is a big name. That would certainly uh put a damper on his value, even if we were creeping close to the trade deadline and and he was expected to make a return. I think people once a player is out for a really long time, it doesn't matter what their upside or expected production is. Most managers say, Hey, I want to see what this guy does when he comes back. So yeah. And also the fact
1: that um, like a re-injury is also something that's super scary um, when talking about those long-term injuries.
0: Yeah, I agree. So there's definitely a lot of time for this trade to unfold and and kind of go in the other direction a little bit for Eddie. So that's all the trades that we've that we've seen so far in the league. I'm sure that we're going to have plenty more to discuss throughout the the season. Uh, but let let's get into different kind of transaction. We're talking about some early season free agent pickups, waiver wire acquisitions, and we're going to talk about them in a segment called "Buy or Sell." So what I did was I kind of skimmed our transaction history for. I want to say three or four or five of the hottest hitters or pitchers to come off of the waiver wire so far this season. And I wanted to know, Jordan, are you buying their performance or would you sell? Do you not think that they have any staying power? First one I have, Carlos Rodon, who just threw the second no hitter of the season. Of course, we talked about Joe Musgrove through the first. Carlos Rodon, after being out the last few years with a multitude of injuries, I think He had Tommy John surgery and then shoulder surgery or vice versa, but totally not, um, especially the shoulder surgery, not something that you want to see from a pitcher. So this seemed to come out of nowhere, but he does have starting pitcher and relief pitcher eligibility. Uh, Carlos Rodon, propped up by a no-hitter, was the fourth highest scoring player in the entire league coming into today. So he was starting pitcher number three overall, relief pitcher number one overall. And he's made two starts this season, pitching 14 innings with a pristine 16 strikeouts to three walks that supports his squeaky clean zero ERA and 0.357 whip. And as a cherry on top, like I mentioned, he does have that dual eligibility at relief pitcher, which we all know is highly coveted in our points league format. Jordan, do you buy or sell Carlos Rodon?
1: I'm, I'm selling Carlos Rodon, uh, like you were talking about the injury history, um, especially as Kind of like an older pitcher, it definitely scares me. Um, I think having the no hitter severely props up his um, his value, but I also think that looking like a month or two down the line, I think he is still going to be up there or in the higher starting pitchers or relief pitchers, be propped up by that no hitter because it gives you so many extra points: a complete game, shutout, no hitter. Um, I I don't really see it continuing. Um, I think that the wins will still be there, but I just don't really see it continuing. But like you were talking about, the uh, SPRP eligibility is so crucial in this league. So I also wouldn't blame him for, for keeping him because if you can get a, a two-start uh, pitcher in your in your relief pitcher spot, that's a huge, huge upside.
0: Yeah, because in addition to your five starting pitchers, you get another two starts tacked onto that. And volume is really important in a points league format. So... So it's definitely a big advantage. I am also selling Carlos Rodon. You mentioned that you know his performance in the no hitter is going to prop him up, not just now but for a while. That is likely true because he scored, I think, fifty-eight point five points from that game. That's probably enough from uh, for three good starts in a row. Well, he
1: was like? Uh, I I didn't watch it or watch the highlights at all, but I want to say he took a perfect into the ninth. Is that into correct? Into the
0: ninth, he uh, he actually was two outs away, and then he wow. hit uh perez who i think his name's roberto perez for the for the indians he's one of their catchers or something he hit him in the toe and the guy didn't move out of the way at all didn't even try to get out of the way so that was i was watching it live i was pretty pissed for color carlos what was the the
1: score at that point
0: it was nine nothing oh totally totally meaningless to not try to avoid the unwritten
1: rules of baseball
0: yeah jose Tabata (laughs) 2.0 roberto perez that guy But I'm also selling Carlos Rodon, and you heard Jake in last week's episode mention that he doesn't have any underlying data to back up why he doesn't think Nelson Cruz would be a top 20 hitter this season, because everything that he's doing so far is supported by the underlying data. Carlos Rodon's the same way. All of the underlying data behind the 2 start breakout suggests that Carlos Rodon is absolutely for, for real, but I just wouldn't feel comfortable mortgaging anything of value without seeing more from him Um, unfortunately for buyers the more that rodon continues to back up his breakout the higher his price is going to become so depending on whether or not you buy the early season breakout the cheapest price that you could potentially acquire a breakout sparp which sparp is the term that we use for sp and rp eligible just as an fyi is going to be right now which is just kind of how our game goes if you take the chances early It may feel riskier, but it also tends to provide the biggest return on investment if those players hit. Uh, This is typically because usually if you don't take the risk to acquire the upside, somebody else will be willing to take that shot. And acting on less information than we'd like to have is just kind of an integral part of this game that we play. Uh, You mentioned it earlier. The early season waiver wire is a beautiful thing. And usually the managers that act on little information, end up seeing the biggest profit because they're the guys that are willing to take the risk early. And and those are the, the managers that are usually the ones to reap the reward, too, of the breakouts. So we both sell Carlos Rodon, but he certainly could be for real. And uh, his price will never be lower than right now if he is for real. <laughs> so next guy, you mentioned him earlier, Stephen Matz, <laughs> starting pitcher. Matt's entered today as starting pitcher number 12 overall, so by definition, he entered today as a starting pitcher one um, for purposes of tiering our pitchers across the league. This performance was comprised of three wins over 18.1 or 18 and a third innings pitched, a 147 ERA and an 818 whip, I should say a 0.818 whip in a 18 to six strikeout to walk ratio. So everything looks pretty good, but Jordan you buy or sell Stephen Matz.
1: I'm buying Stephen Matz. Um, I've always felt like he was underappreciated. Um, so I'm a big fan of him, a big fan of his. I don't think that he'll end up uh, as an SP one. So maybe he is overvalued right now. I do think that he'll stay somewhere within the top 25 though.
0: Sure. I actually come on the other side of this one. I sell Steven Matz. Uh, The breakout of Steven Matz so far this season has coincided with him becoming, in effect, a ground ball pitcher by reducing a career average launch angle of 9.1 degrees to a measly 2.2 degrees in 2021. Uh, While this is certainly an improvement that he could have made in the offseason, he's also striking out batters at a clip over 2 percentage points higher than he ever has in his career. And these both feel like very positive changes for Steven Matz. Don't get me wrong, but he's also issuing walks nearly at a career high rate, walking batters at an 8.5% rate, which is nearly identical to his previous career high in a single season of 8.9%. So this is kind of a, a game of pick which stat is real for me, but I kind of tend to take the pessimistic view of an unproven pitcher who would essentially be replicating the leap that Zach Wheeler took a few years ago by developing the skills to be a really good ground ball pitcher as well as a very good strikeout pitcher, Um, basically depending on what he wants to throw at the time. Um, As I've really only seen Zach Wheeler be able to put this kind of skill mix on display at will outside of the elite pitchers that we all know and love, I have a hard time personally believing that Steven Matz will be the next guy to do it so I personally am selling Steven Matz. Jordan, let's talk about your boy, the, uh, the namesake of the rebranded team, Kenny Ross Mercedes. mean Mercedes, who is UT only for the Chicago White Sox. He's currently the number, or I should say coming into today, he was the number 14 overall hitter in the league. mean Mercedes had a storied MLB debut gathering eight hits before an opposing team could even get him out. Uh, he's sporting a ridiculous 457, 500, 739 slash line, which I intentionally use here because triple slash lines are a very commonly referenced stat for hitters in baseball. And I want to note triple slash line is composed of in order batting average on base percentage and slugging percentage. So your mean Mercedes coming into today had a 457 batting average, 500 on base percentage, 739 slugging. Um, which essentially means that Mercedes is getting on base at a ridiculous rate and crushing the ball when he hits um, to go for extra bases when he does get on base through contact rather than through walking. Jordan, you might be a little biased here, but I want to know, are you buying or selling your mean Mercedes performance so far this year?
1: I'm buying it so far. I mean, obviously the, uh, the stat line, there's no way that's sustainable, but I do think that he's going to be a, a, a good bat for the rest of the way, um, especially hitting in that, that White Sox lineup. I think that there's a lot of really good potential there. So I think that he's going to continue to get good pitches. Um, he's going to have a lot of RBI opportunities. If he gets on base, he's going to have a lot of run opportunities because of the guys that are around him as well.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm buying it. Um, while my buy is limited due to his likelihood of remaining as a DH-only player that we can only slot in at utility in our league, I do really like what I see in the plate approach. Uh, beyond his barrel percentage and average exit velocity, which are not so good, Your meme Mercedes batted ball and plate discipline profiles look like those of an elite hitter. Um, I think the only facade we are seeing with your meme Mercedes right now is that he will not hit for as much power as he has shown so far. But I do think that he will get on on base at a very high clip and kind of be able to put together slap hits like singles or maybe if it gets past a fielder, stretching it into a double pretty often. And I think the combination of those two things certainly add up to a useful starter in our format. Um, But like I mentioned, his usefulness will unfortunately limit the options of lineup management since he is UT only. And that can could potentially create some tough decisions on a week-to-week basis for whoever owns him, which is you in this case. So, uh, I think he'll be an asset for you. Uh, unfortunate that you won't be able to move him around your lineup at all.
1: Yeah, that's the one uh, downside that I ha- had on him as well. Having a, a UT-only player is definitely tough. But I mean, if he, if if he's getting good at bats and is putting up points, you know, I have no problem putting him in that UT slot.
0: To be fair, and I, I haven't brought this up at all on the podcast, I tried to lobby Jake before he was added to anybody's team to give him catcher eligibility since he was a catcher throughout his minors career. Jake said that he wasn't willing to, to change anybody's positional eligibility post-draft. So uh, it would have benefited you. If he would, if he got that catcher eligibility added, and I tried to lobby for it before, like I said, before he was even on my team. Yeah. Or not before, before he was on any team, I should say. Uh, But Jake wasn't going for it. So,
1: Jake, if you're listening to this podcast, give Mercedes catcher eligibility.
0: (laughs) That would be a pretty big advantage. Uh, Our last player for the buy or sell segment is Jared Walsh, a guy on my team, actually. He is a first baseman for the Angels. I think he's also actually going to pick up right field eligibility probably within the next two weeks because they, for whatever reason, still start Albert Pujols at first base half the time, but they've realized that Jared Walsh's bat is so hot that they have to get him in the lineup. So they've stuck him out in right field half the time. So he should be a dual eligible player in a couple weeks. He is currently the number five first baseman. Uh, Jared Walsh is actually the other LA angel that is a two-way player. Technically. (laughs) <laughs> the Angels have used Walsh as both a hitter and a reliever since he made his debut with the team a couple years ago, but it became pretty clear to the organization last season that they should just let him focus on hitting. Um, and Jared Walsh is hot early this season with a similarly crazy triple slash line to mean Mercedes of 341, 426, 707, which is also elite. Not quite as good as mean Mercedes, but definitely an elite triple slash line. Jordan, do you buy or sell Jared Walsh's early season performance?
1: Yeah, I'm buying I'm buying this one as well. Um, similar to what I said from Mercedes, I think that he's in a good lineup that's going to let him see pitches with Mike Trout in there, Shoya Otani in there. I think he's going to get a lot of um, – because they're going to be afraid of the other guys. I think he's going to get a lot of good pitches that are going to uh, let him to continue to get on base. And he's going to, again, see the RBI and run opportunities.
0: Yep. I totally agree with you. To keep it short and sweet, I am also buying, and it's because there are kind of a scary amount of similarities between Walsh and your means batted ball profiles and plate approaches early this season, according to the underlying data. And I I buy Walsh as a legitimate top five to seven first baseman because of the lack of standouts at the position and because I like the the chances of his skill set translating to success in our scoring format, similar to... um, how I bought the success of your mean Mercedes staying power in our scoring format. So I buy on Jared Walsh as well. I think you sold on Rodon, bought on Matt's Mercedes and Walsh. I sold on Rodon and Matt's and bought Mercedes and Walsh. So that's kind of what we came away with here. Let's talk about week number three. Let's get into our matchup preview. Jordan, who do you have as the best matchup for the coming week?
1: I actually have you and Brendan as the best matchup this week. I think um, I think this is almost like a prover week for both of you. Not in the sense that uh, I haven't seen it from either team, but Nate, if I'm remembering this correctly, you have not yet fielded a full lineup.
0: have not. So, I played down so- a second baseman in week one, and I played down a second baseman and a fourth reliever this week.
1: So my prove it week from for you is I want to see how powerful your team really can be at full strength because you were you were number one or number two last I looked for this week, um, and I just I just want to see what you can do with a full lineup. I think obviously you have a great team that can put up points, but I just want to see really how powerful it is. And Brendan, um, I think that it's going to be tough a tough week battling mate. Um, but I do want to see what Brendan, Brendan can do too. I mean, he beat, um, he beat, uh, Mike this week and below the uh, league median there. So I want to see if he can get back above the league median and at least pick up a win and maybe if he gets lucky, also take Nate down.
0: Sure. Yeah. That's a good pick. I, ironically, I chose your matchup with JC for my pick for best matchup of the week. Um, after scoring in the top half of the league for both matchups so far, these two powerhouse teams look to square off in week three as JC looks to keep his strong start to the season rolling and Jordan looks to end a very unlucky streak of getting edged by other strong teams who are also scoring in the top six, albeit slightly higher than him. And that's why he has that two and two record. I've talked about how strong I think JC, JC's team is, so I'd actually like to take this opportunity to share my puff piece on Jordy's team. Uh, I'll start by saying that while I can't speak to the staying power of early season performers, such as Michael Pineda and Joe Ross, I do think that the one-two combination of Glassnow-Bundy can stack up with pretty much any combo of you know the SB1s and SB2s across our teams in the league. With the exception of maybe DeGrom, Cole, Bieber, Scherzer, and Burns, Giolito. Uh, I think that those are probably clearly like the top three one-two combos in our league. But outside of those three, I think Glass, now, Bundy are as good as you'll find a one-two combo on any team in our league. Um, and if McCullers and Morton can prove to become consistent SP3 type team, or SP, sorry SP3 types, For Kenny Ross Mercedes, I think that this team is closer to catching the powerhouse top two in the division of JC and Jake's fantasy baseball team than can be said for the current state of all other teams in the other division. So I think that the top three of the East division is uh, a lot closer than it appears on the surface than the same can be said for the West division. So I, I really like. The build that you have going, Jordan, I think some things are kind of going to kind of need to turn your way to climb into that elite team conversation in the East division, but I definitely think you can get there. And I think that week three will end up proving to be one of the most important weeks of the season for your team, Jordan. That's what I'm going to predict in hindsight. Conversely, who did you have as the worst matchup of the week?
1: I, I'm going to be very surprised if we don't have the same one here. Um, I, I have Jake playing uh, against bomb. Um, I, I don't think this one's going to be close at all. Um, so I, I really don't have much to say on this one, but I just, I just think it's going to be a blowout.
0: Yep. I have the same matchup. Jake's fantasy baseball team versus team Andrew bomb 12. Jake is coming off of strong back-to-back performances Uh, where he is among the league leaders in points scored. And Andrew's team is a shell of what it was coming out of the draft now that he is missing his three best players. And the roster was kind of already in bad shape before that happened. Uh, Whether you agree with... I'll say this, kind of circling back to our trade talk from earlier. Whether you agree or disagree with the particular players targeted or not, I think it was pretty clear that a title was not within reach for Andrew this season. And it was pretty clear that he was ultimately going to sell for keepers. Fortunately for me, that happened to come during week one. So he basically gave a buy to everybody thereafter. Um, And Jake is kind of second in line for it for this week three matchup. So I definitely say that that is my worst matchup as well. Matchup predictions. And uh, I'll give you a quick update on records. So obviously Jordan is zero and zero. This is to be the first time that he will make his picks for Our weekly matchups i am 10 and 2 coming off of a strong 6 and 0 performance last week jake ended up going 5 and 1 because he decided to pick jordan as an upset over him jake ended up pulling away with the matchup so jake is now 8 and 4 after a 5 and 1 performance um so let's start with the matchup between courtney and mike team c deamer versus big money mike who do you have jordan
1: I mean, I'm not going to come on here and pick against Courtney. I mean, a total powerhouse offense gives her a really, really high floor every week. Uh, I, I don't see anyone beating her right now, and it's not, not going to start with Mike.
0: I agree, and Jake agrees with you as well. Jake submitted his picks to me, so I'll give you his as well. We all have Courtney topping Big Money Mike. Second matchup, Pine Run Market. That is Nick versus Testicular Torkelson. Still confused by the team name. That is Jerry's team. Who do you have walking away victorious from this matchup, Jordan?
1: I have Nick taking this one. I I, I said it earlier in the episode. I really like what Nick is doing. Um, I, I think that him and Jerwin are trending in different directions. Uh, so I'm, I'm taking Nick.
0: I actually have Jerwin winning this matchup, and it's mostly because of Nick's team. Uh, Christian Yellich just got put on IL. Cody Bellinger is obviously going to be out for a while. And Sixto Sanchez still is at the alternate site for the Marlins. So I think Nick is playing with a lot, playing without a lot of firepower. And, uh, obviously Jerwin still has Corbin Burns, Lucas Giolito, Kyle Tucker. So he does have a very, very good core to his team. I would personally advise Jerwin to remove Patrick Corbin from his lineup because Like I predicted in our very first episode, I think Patrick Corbin stinks and was going to implode. And that's exactly what happened this week. So I would honestly, not kidding at all, I would play with an open lineup slot before I would put Patrick Corbin in my lineup if I were Jerwin. But I do still think that he will pull away with this victory over Nick. Jake comes on the other side. He agrees with you, Jordan, that Nick will be the winner of this matchup with Jerwin. That brings us to our third one. I don't think that there's going to be any deviation in our, in our picks here. But Jake's fantasy baseball team versus Team Andrew Baum twelve. Who do you have, Jordan?
1: Yeah, I mean we talked about this a couple minutes ago. I have Jake. Uh, not going to be close.
0: I agree with you there. As does the man himself. Jake is picking himself to win over Andrew. Fourth matchup we have JC versus you, Kenny Ross Mercedes. Who are you picking in this matchup?
1: I I am picking myself i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say that i'm gonna lose so i i do think that it's gonna be really tight matchup um i was looking at at justin's uh justin's roster doesn't have any uh, two-star pitchers i think i think that's gonna be tough and he does have a couple tough pitching matchups like trevor bauer going against the padres um so that's why i'm going with me in this one
0: jake disagreed with you and picked jc to win this matchup however I agree with you. I think you're going to pull off this up or pull off this. I guess we can call it an upset. I think that's fair to say. I think JC's, it's an upset, yeah. JC's 4-0. You're 2-2. I think you're going to hand JC his first loss of the season. I picked Kenny Ross Mercedes. And my matchup, I think you alluded to who you think the, the winner will be. Me versus Brendan, number one contender versus Cleveland White Males. Who do you got coming out of this one?
1: Yeah, like I said a few minutes ago, uh, when I was talking about your matchup, um, I do. I think you come out of this one. I think it'll be closer than people expect it to be because um, I do. I do like Brendan's team a lot, but I am interested to see how your team, um, how many points your team can put up at full strength.
0: Yeah, this will be the first week that I'm playing at full strength with every lineup spot filled. I'm. I don't necessarily have all my heavy hitters. Like Anthony Rendon is still on IL. He won't be in my lineup. Lance Lynn just went on I or on the IL today, so he will not be in my lineup. I don't think I'll be missing much there because I have specifically continued to list starting pitcher as a need on my trade block, despite being the deepest in the league at the position because of situations like this where I can handle Lance Lane going on IL. Let's say Shane Bieber or Max Scherzer goes on IL. Then my pitching staff isn't starting. You know, it's starting to look not like a monster like people would think it does when everybody's fully healthy. So that's kind of the strategy behind why I continue to hammer starting pitchers because, you know, I can handle one block falling. If another one of my really big blocks falls, that's when it starts to get to a shaky situation, especially if you don't have a good depth.
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, you can never have too many starting pitchers.
0: Right. So if I didn't mention, I picked myself to win this matchup, as does Jake. He picked me to win the matchup, but uh, Brendan's a fighter. I think that's something that we've all learned over the last few years. So he could certainly pull off the upset. Our last matchup of the week gone forever. Eddie versus TP prez, Sam. Who do you have winning that one?
1: I have absolutely no basis for this pick, but I'm picking Eddie to pull off the upset this week.
0: Okay. I'm picking Sam to win as is Jake. He put up a pretty strong performance this week that, that I touched on earlier in the episode. I think, uh, Sam's offense gives him a really high floor and I think Eddie's pitching has to be yeah I think he has to get really lucky with the pitching just given uh the lack of talent there so I don't think he's going to pull off the win versus Sam to get his first win of the year but uh it could happen like anything, I said no basis for
1: it, that's just my sneaky upset pick
0: yeah so me and me and Jake take Sam there Let's move, on, let's move on to the Around the League segment. And I'm filling in for Jake this week with our This Week in League History segment. And uh, I actually had Jake send me this. And of course, I think he wanted to humble me a little bit here because the league history stat that he sent me was during week three uh, of 2018, Sean's only win of the season came and in, in a week where he defeated me by a score of 301.1 points to 262.3 points uh, in what would be Sean's highest scoring normal matchup of the season. And at that point, it was a record-breaking season for the worst season we've ever seen in the league because he ended up finishing that year with a record of 1-18. and So I was the only person to lose to him. And again, that was the highest scoring matchup that he had all season. And you know what I consider that to be, Jordan?
1: unlucky
0: unlucky but the word of the day that would be our this week in league history since we're going into week three jordy i'm excited for this segment to be a part of our our podcast every single week moving forward i'm i just coined it jordy the general sports book you could really call it whatever you want but essentially we're going to bring sports betting to our fantasy leagues in a similar fashion that we did with the playoff betting last season and in a similar fashion to those of you that play in our fantasy football league that we did in playoffs, uh, last season for our football league as well. So I'll toss it to you here. Take it away. Explain how it's going to work.
1: Yeah. I'm super excited about this, Nate. I was talking with Jake about it a couple weeks ago. Uh, we, like you said before we did it, uh, last year during our playoffs, I think that everyone had a really good time with it and everyone enjoyed it. Um, we're on fan tracks and they have a, uh, a thing that lets lets you uh, see projections for what each player is going to do this week and ultimately gives you um, just like what they think the matchups going to look like, a little matchup preview. So we're using that, and uh, I've created a spreadsheet based on their projections that will give us uh, various spreads, various over-unders for each player. I'm going to be tracking those, um, also tracking – over under for the league median, which has been pretty interesting so far, I think. Um, yeah, and we're, what I'm going to try to do is uh, whenever I come on and just get a couple picks that I think um, I think will work out, we're going to be testing it a couple more weeks and see if we need to tweak anything that Fantrax does. But I went four and one of my picks this week, so I'm feeling good,
0: yeah. And I know that any nobody else has really seen this spreadsheet that Jordan has built, but it is a well oiled machine, at least from what I can see. And I'm excited to. To start you know utilizing this this feature to see you know how accurate everybody's picks can be from a week-to-week basis see who can be our sports betting champion come the yep. end of the season and uh one thing that jordan didn't mention that i think will make this segment this idea flow really well is if people if all of you guys that are listening could try to set your lineups by sunday morning for the next matchup period every single week you certainly don't have to lock yourself into whatever lineup you put together on Sunday morning, but if you could get 80, 85% of your lineup set in place so that fan tracks matchup preview fe- feature is the most accurate that it can possibly be for Jordan to take those projections and put it into his offline spreadsheet so that we can have, you know, the most accurate sportsbook spreadsheet, uh, to pick from as possible, that would be great. So. TLDR. My ask is that you set up your, your lineup by Sunday morning each week for the following matchup scoring period. And Jordan, I don't actually know how this is going to work. Are you going to share like a, a Google doc spreadsheet with everybody to make their picks and kind of give everyone their own tab or how's that going to work?
1: Yeah. I haven't really figured out how it's going to work yet uh, in terms of that aspects going through a couple different things. I think that's a great idea is doing like a little Google doc. Um, another thing I was thinking is just taking a screenshot of the, uh, of the spreadsheet and sending that in, in the, in, into the group and people can message their picks uh, sure. each week. But uh, yeah, we we'll we're still testing it for the next uh, couple of weeks just to see how Fantrax does. And if Jake and I need to tweak anything based on some scoring, but we'll figure it out here soon. And hopefully uh, this can be a really good addition to the league. And um, last year I was the winner and I got a, a snack at the uh, draft. So,
0: yeah, I think it'll be a lot of fun. I think it'll keep people engaged even after they decide to sell and the dred- the trade deadline passes. And I think depending on how it goes in this first season, maybe we can try to introduce like a, a little extra buy-in specifically yeah. for the sports book. We could maybe like up to I think we're doing like a $25 buy-in this year. Maybe we could make it a $30 buy-in and and kick $5 from everybody to the sports book so that there's actually payouts. Yeah. For the sports book, I, who knows, you know, if it works well and people like it, I think that that would be a really good idea. Make it a lot more fun.
1: Yeah. This uh, is the first time uh, really doing it for a full season. So I'm interested to see how it works and how people like it. I'm excited about it.
0: Yeah, I am too. And and we're going to actually, I don't know exactly how we're going to incorporate it into our weekly podcast episode, but we do plan to, to make it a regular segment here on the episode. So expect to hear from Jordan more uh, throughout the season on Jordan, the general's sports book. Let's, uh, let's wrap up the episode here, Jordan. And, and thanks again for coming on for Jake. I know he appreciates it. And I know everybody else is going to appreciate it once they listen to the episode, because you're doing a great job so far. Let's get into our news and notes segment. So we've already touched on this, but after it was initially believed to be a mere calf contusion, it has since come out that Cody Bellinger has a hairline fracture in his leg. Does this injury worry you as the type to potentially linger or hamper Bellinger's production since speed is an important part of that profile?
1: In terms of his production when he comes back, not really. The only thing that does scare me about this injury is how long Cody Bellinger will be be out. I think that we've seen that he's an elite guy. um, And in terms of his production, I don't really see it taking a hit if he's able to be fully healthy by this year.
0: Sure. Yeah, that's a fair take. Uh, likewise, and, and his teammate in fantasy, Christian Yelich was placed on the IL due to back stiffness. With this being a recurring injury for Christian Yelich that has really hampered him for significant portions of his season in the past, are we predicting reason for worry for Nick as he has both of these studs who are already banged up to the start for the start of the year? I wouldn't
1: say it's incredibly worrisome, I think the difference between Yelich and Bellinger is that it's a recurrent injury. Uh, When I see that, I definitely get more fearful because it could lead to a longer time being out or another aggravation. Um, It's definitely going to be tough to have him overcome two big key injuries this early in the season. Hopefully uh, they're not out very long and he's able to continue and compete, which I think he will.
0: Sure. Do you think that these two guys, Bellinger and Yelich, are still in that special category of like quote unquote throw caution to the wind if you get the chance to acquire them, meaning that the injuries don't significantly discount their trade value the way they would for like say a non elite player.
1: Uh, yes, I one hundred percent agree with that. I think that there is a special group um, that if you can see that they're not they're not supposed to be out long term, that I would one hundred percent still go after them, especially a team that's trying to compete and get into the playoffs. We're talking four or five months from now. Uh, likelihood of them being a lot better by then is pretty high.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a long season. So uh, plenty of opportunity for them to come back and provide that elite stud hitter value. Uh, next one, an unlikely candidate. Like I would not have predicted me talking about this guy on a podcast episode three weeks ago when we started, but but he's been really good to start the season. So I wanted to get him in. Jed Lowry. It actually came out recently that he was not allowed to undergo any corrective surgeries while under contract with the New York Mets. And he had to wait until his contract expired with them before undergoing surgery on his right knee this past offseason. In response to finally getting healthy, he has gotten off to a really hot start to the season. Um, Jordan, first I ask, how does it make any sense to not allow a player that you are paying millions of dollars to get a corrective surgery for them to get healthy.
1: Yeah. I I actually didn't know that this was a thing. Um, like I I wasn't aware of this story at all and just kind of reading over and doing some research. I was just very caught off guard as to how this was allowed. Um, it definitely starts to, starts to get you thinking about the, the, uh, ethics of professional sports, um, where these large teams aren't, aren't letting their players get, um, get surgeries to make them better.
0: Yeah. Didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And I was like, just, I was caught so off guard when I saw that story that I just thought it would be interesting to bring up here on the podcast. And I guess maybe I could have fit him into the buy or sell, uh, segment since Jake just added him today. But I did want to ask, do you think that his production so far is real or is it a facade?
1: I think that it's a facade. I, I think that he's one of those guys every year um, where I think to myself, he's not that good. And he has an, a fantastic April and May. And then he severely falls off a cliff. And I would be very surprised if that doesn't happen again this year.
0: Or he gets hurt. Do you think that his season is going to get cut short by an injury again?
1: Um, I don't think so. I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if it happens, but I think that he'll be he'll be fine this year.
0: Sure. And then the last note that I have, which we briefly touched on earlier, Lance Lynn was placed on the IL today with a strained right trapezius. I always think it's so funny to say the full name of the muscle instead of just trap. Uh, I don't really know how long this would keep him out. Lance Lynn's a pretty bulky, tough guy, so I don't foresee missing him for a really long time. Thankfully, I can... Kind of afford the blow, like the depth of my starting pitching softens the blow. So definitely want to get Lance Lynn back. I would say that he's probably among my top three starting pitchers, which is kind of crazy to say since I have Bieber, Scherzer, and Kershaw. I think I would actually give Lance Lynn the edge over Clayton Kershaw, to be honest with you. So hope to get him back soon. But he was kind of that most recent guy this week, a big name to get put on the injured list. So I wanted to to fit him in here, but. Thank you again, Jordan, for uh, coming in to fill in this week. Looking forward to having you back on again at some point this season. Looking forward to hearing from you every week once we get the sports book kicked off. Do you have anything that you want to say or share before we end the episode?
1: Yeah, I just want to thank you for having me on here. It was a it was a blast guest hosting. Um, I hope that uh, the listeners enjoy this enjoyed this episode. I'm looking forward to, to coming back.
0: Sweet, yeah. Uh, I, I love doing it with you and uh, we'll hopefully have you back on next time when all three of us, me, you and Jake can host the episode together. Uh, so looking forward to that, but thank you guys all for listening to episode four of the best player wins fantasy baseball series. We, uh, we love doing this every week. Uh, it's a lot of fun to put together and I, I hope that you guys all enjoy it as much as we do putting it together. So again, thanks for the feedback that you guys give. Please feel free to let us know if there's anything that you would like to see added to the podcast, if you would like to come onto the podcast sooner rather than later. If there's any even critiques that you have for us, we're, we're happy to listen listen to them and, and implement different things into the podcast. So thanks again for your continued support. Hope you guys enjoy it. And uh, we will see you next week for episode five. Ear.